When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. But we are joined today with the true cute one. We have Jen from Blocked by Jax on Instagram. Hi. Hi. We are so excited to celebrate Christmas in July with you by covering one of my favorite movies that holds up worse and worse every time I rewatch it, (laughs) Love Actually. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I know that was like my favorite Christmas. That used to be like my wrapping movie. Like whenever I was wrapping Christmas presents, I'd like put that on. Love Actually for me, it's one of the Christmas movies that my family and I will always watch together every year. It's that. And then the South Park Christmas special for whatever reason, like those are our two movies. <laughs> like total 180. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I, I still love it, but I swear that every single time I watch it, I'm like, oh, it's even worse than I remember it being like in terms of holding up and yet I love it I know it's a little cringy (laughs) but I mean like what old movie isn't I feel like at this point yeah so this movie came out on November 6th 2003 so Mm. it's been almost 20 years which is wild yeah that is mind-blowing that is crazy when this (laughs) movie came out baby boy by beyonce featuring sean paul was top of the music charts oh good one and also the week that this movie came out scientists presented their findings that solar power could provide clean sustainable energy to the senate which is why as you know today we have flying cars and gas prices (laughs) have never been lower You've come so far. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, this movie, every time I watch it, it's just one of those movies that just like transports me to the holiday season. It really just like gets me in the feels. Do you guys have any favorite Christmas movies or Christmas traditions? I make my family or my husband or myself watch Divas Christmas Carol every (laughs) year. The um, VH1 made for TV Christmas movie with Vanessa Williams. So that's just me. As far as my family goes, they're not really like a watch it every year Mm. kind of people. So every year I feel like we pick a new Christmas movie. So sometimes that is a hit and sometimes that is a shit. (laughs) Like last year, my dad, (laughs) my dad suggested we watch some like Lifetime movie with Jesse Metcalf. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Last year we watched Whitney Houston and A Preacher's Wife. So I do feel like there's not really a through line between these Christmases. I've actually seen the Diva Christmas movie. (laughs) And isn't it great? (laughs) Like fine wine. Yeah, you can come over and watch it. Now, something that didn't age well in that movie is, that's so old, Kathy Griffin's original nose is in it. (laughs) What? I'm serious. (laughs) That is old. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Well... Keep it moving, I guess. So if you want to see me become visibly uncomfortable with the things that Donnie says every week, you can head over to our Patreon for the uncut, unedited, and unhinged version of our current shows. So patreon.com slash I am the cute one. (laughs) 
Do you have any background or trivia for us, Donnie? Yeah, actually, I had to narrow it down to like my favorite four because there was a lot of good trivia for this one. Mm -hmm. So look it up yourself on IMDb because there's a (laughs) lot I'm not even talking about. But it was written and directed by Richard Curtis, who also wrote Bridget Jones' Diary, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which is my favorite. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with them. So good. It's better than the first. I'm obsessed with them. I saw it like seven (laughs) times in theaters. I saw it. I was on a cruise and they had an IMAX theater there. And that was one of the options you could go see. And I told the people I was on the cruise with. I was like, I know that you bitches want to go to the pool and stuff, but we are seeing Mamma Mia. Oh, my God. It's so good. (laughs) So good. And then I (laughs) ordered pizza from the cruise ship to the movie theater. So like the pizza guy came in halfway through the movie with a pizza box and I waved from the last round. Up here. <laughs> so truly just chaos. That's kind of iconic. That's truly living. <laughs> I thought so. And then this guy also wrote Mr. Bean, like the whole everything. He created Mr. Bean. So. He's so diverse. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. Who knew that the person that brought us Mr. Bean also brought us Mamma Mia, here we go again. 180. <laughs> but doesn't Mr. Bean not talk? Someone still had to create him, Chelsea. Oh, well, okay. But if he wrote the character. But doesn't he do stuff? Yeah. I mean, I'm not shitting on Mr. Bean. I'm not here to <laughs> slander and besmirch the man, the myth, the legend. I just, you know. I'm so unfamiliar with Mr. Bean because what part of me looks like I would be interested in Mr. Bean <laughs> that I didn't even know he didn't speak. I mean, I say things on this podcast all the time that are wildly incorrect. So I'm sure we will have a hundred DMs immediately being like, you moron, Mr. Bean delivered yeah. a monologue in his first He has like, I know, an Oscar nominated <laughs> performance. <laughs> the budget was $40 million and it made $245 million worldwide. That's pretty good. (laughs) Then The taglines for the movie, there were a lot of them. I only picked two. None of them are particularly good, but here are the two that I thought were closest to being good. One is coming soon, actually. And then the other one is this holiday season. All you need is love, actually. All right. I see what you're trying to do. You know who doesn't work in the marketing team anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the guy that wrote the dialogue for Mr. Bean had to do the taglines. He's like, I'm not used to writing anything. (laughs) So then I got four pieces of trivia that I wanted to share. The airport footage at the beginning and the end of the movie is real. Like those weren't actors. The director had a team of cameramen film at the airport for a week. And whenever they saw something that they thought was like, really full of love and would fit into the movie. They asked the people for permission to use it. So I want to see someone like flipping out over a delay. (laughs) Yeah. If I was in a hidden camera situation, it would be me like disheveled, hungover, shaking, thinking that like everybody (laughs) hates me as I'm like flying home from a bachelorette party. The footage of me would just be me emptying my bank account at the airport because I cannot not spend at least a hundred dollars. I have to buy six magazines, stop at Starbucks, the breakfast place, well, that's already. $100. I was going to say that's like four hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need like eight pieces of food whenever I'm at an airport, even if I'm not hungry. Okay, money bags. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> My brother has coined the term TLT for terminal leisure time, where it's really like once I adopted TLT in my life my relationship with airports changed. He's like, you go through security, you get there extra early, and then you have terminal leisure time. You know that you're going to spend money. It's monopoly money. You go and have 
a billion drinks. You can start drinking if it's 7 a.m. No one's going to judge you. You're in the airport. And since I've adopted that lifestyle, it's much more wonderful <laughs> to be at the airport, probably because I'm drunk, but yeah. you know. That'll do it. So more trivia is the lake where Jamie and Aurelia are swimming was actually only 18 inches deep and they had to kneel down to pretend they were swimming. And also it was overrun by mosquitoes and Colin Firth was bitten so badly that his elbow swelled up to the size of an avocado and had to go to the hospital. Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. This one's like sweet, but a little sad. The idea for Mark's surprise of the band singing All You Need Is Love at Peter and Juliet's wedding came from Jim Henson's funeral, where all of the puppeteers brought their Muppets and sang a song halfway through the ceremony. That sounds like a rager. (laughs) (laughs) I've been planning my funeral and I don't even have like a terminal disease. This is just for like anything. I could die in 80 years. I could die in eight minutes from whatever. But I've been telling my family what I want them to do, like with my body and with the funeral ceremony and stuff. And I told my sister that I want her to buy now, like today, cameos from all my favorite celebrities. So then even if like 60 years from now is when I die, it's these celebrities in like, well, I want to say they're prime, but they're already past their prime if they're on cameo. (laughs) But like, how fun would that be? That's actually a really good idea. I kind of want to die now. (laughs) That's actually what every guest says after coming on this podcast. (laughs) That's our tagline. Wait, but Donnie, then you never get to see the cameos. Or would you see them as you're alive, knowing what they're going to say? And do you want them to be like, hey, Donnie, shout out to you. You're dead. Wish you the best in the afterlife. Yeah, like I want her to edit the cameos together to be my eulogy, basically. Okay. Yeah. And then I also want my sister to take my cell phone. And as people are leaving, I want her to text them from my phone and say, thank you for coming. That's so fucked up and hilarious. (laughs) You'll have to keep us abreast of the planning process as it continues, because I'm sure there will be many more ideas. And I kind of want to know more about Donnie's funeral. I know. This sounds awesome. Hope I snag an invite. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. I told my mom, I was like, if I die tragically young and you're still alive, I would love you to put my skull on your mantle. She said that was too much. But I was like, if people can do it with a deer, why not your son? Yeah, why not? Just have your body stuck. Oh, that would be cute. Yeah. (laughs) So one more. We will talk about this movie, I promise. This was the most rented DVD in the UK in 2004. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. They loved it. They did. All right. Well, I love it too. And before we get into this movie, I want to know what character, if any, from this fine film of 1,000 characters do you identify as? Probably the little boy, you know, just like moody AF, want to be in my room, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. What's his name? Sam? Is that his name? I think so. I didn't write down his name. I just wrote boy with giant head in my notes. So. <laughs> I relate to the girl who was cast as the first lobster in the nativity play who like still somehow thinks she's the main character. Like she's giving big main character energy as she's like announcing to her mom that she is first lobster. That's me. There was more than one lobster. Jesus. Uh, In hindsight, that's probably who I am too, but that's not who I said. I said, I'm Billy Mack, the singer that just re-releases his own music as Christmas music mixed with the niece that is upset that Christmas has to be on pause now because Uncle Jamie needs to get his rocks off. So she's like, I, I hate, hate Uncle, Uncle Jamie. Jamie. 
Do you want to hear a fun fact though? That you know, like the guy Billy oh, Mac, mm-hmm. yes. in the, you know his Christmas music video that he made. My best friend's cousin is playing drums. Stop. Wow. How did that come to be? She was a model, and she was like dating one of the guys from Duran Duran. I forget who. And then, um, like she just got in that movie somehow. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. He literally just goes like this, like <laughs> the drumsticks. What if we knew that this whole time and we were just social climbing and that's why we picked you. And now we're like, can you get her on our show? Honestly, I don't think she's up to much now. So she probably would. <laughs> and then she can do a cameo for my funeral. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. She'd be in her outfit, the Santa outfit. Just holding two drumsticks. Yeah, just like three, two, one. Sorry you died, Donnie. <laughs> Well, now we are at the point in the show, Jen, where we are going to ask you to recap this movie in one minute or less. And usually I give Donnie a bunch of shit because he's always telling our guests, like, the pressure is on. It's all up to you. But I have to say, as the person who drew the short straw to moderate this recap, there truly are 1,000 plot lines. So just do your best with what you've got. A minute on the clock. Go. Okay. Um, it's about a bunch of people in England who are all having some kind of crisis with their love life around Christmas time. Basically, everyone is just being like cheated on, upset, <laughs> brokenhearted. Yeah, it's just a Christmas shit show. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. That was lovely. Yeah. So there are approximately 97 plot lines. We're mostly going to focus on them one by one instead of going chronologically. So everybody is tangentially related, but the main thesis of this movie is if you look for it, you will realize that love actually is all around. Did anyone else remember this movie being over two hours long? Because I certainly did not. It is long as hell. It's like two hours and 15 minutes because I threw it on today because obviously I've seen it a thousand times, but I yeah. wanted to like refresh myself. So I was like, oh, I'll watch it as my girls are napping today. And I threw it on. I was like, holy shit. Usually if a movie is more than 90 minutes, no thank you, not for me. So this one snuck through. You know me too. Chelsea said she drew the short straw, but really she just opened my text message that said, I refuse to be the moderator this episode. <laughs> No, Donnie was like, nope, tag, you're it. (laughs) So we begin at a wedding. Peter is marrying the love of his life, played by Keira Knightley. Now, I want to take a moment right at the top of this episode to highlight this horrifying and casually transphobic piece of dialogue between Peter and his best friend, Mark, right before he walks down the aisle to be married. So Peter says, no surprises. Mark says, no surprises. Peter, not like the stag night, Mark, unlike the stag night, Peter, you admit that the Brazilian prostitutes were a mistake, Mark, I do, Peter, and it would have been much better if they had not turned out to be men, Mark, that's true. So like, I have follow up questions. I want to know more about this bachelor party. Also, it does seem like Peter would have been totally cool with banging a few sex workers at his stag party, like had they been women. Question mark. Also, like, why are you even bringing that up on the wedding day? Right. right. Like, about to go be married. By the way, remember that thing you did? I know. And, like, 
I'm going to keep asking you questions about it after you tell me over and over again that like, yes, you remember. (laughs) It's bizarre. So this did inspire me. I did ask our cuties what their most wild bachelor or bachelorette party experiences were. And I want to share a few (laughs) because in a surprise to no one, our cuties are chaotic as hell. So one girl said that a Nashville bachelorette turned into an all out brawl between the high school versus college friends. And then later in the weekend, the mother versus the mother-in-law. That's awesome. (laughs) And that's the same bachelorette party? Same bachelorette party. How long were they there? Like a month? (laughs) They're like, well, Thursday's the big fight and Friday's round two. (laughs) So this next one, a bride got kicked out of a Bourbon Street bar for performing the Growing Pains theme song too many times during a karaoke set. (laughs) Oh, my God. I would have let her move in if I was the bar owner. My question is, like, how many times is too many times? Like, at what point was the bar like, okay, you got to go. It's been six times. We can't do it again. Or was it, like, once and they were just like, oh, get her out of here. Give her the Once is enough. And why kicked out? I know. I'm not just, like, I'm You're not allowed to do karaoke anymore. Yeah. I like to imagine that, like, they gave her a warning and there was, like, a sneak back on stage situation. Like, someone else was performing already and she, like, came Uh. up and, like, Well, then that's a question, too. And I need whoever submitted this to answer. Was the backup track the Growing Pains (laughs) music or was she just singing the lyrics to any song that came on? (laughs) Yeah, we have follow up (laughs) questions. Please slide into our DMs. And then the last one is one cutie found the bachelor in the bathroom with a bridesmaid who was also the bride's cousin. Oh, yeah, that's really messed up. Not a good one. No, was it? a? I mean, they didn't say it. It was a joint bachelor and bachelorette party then? I'm assuming so. But I kind of, okay, this is going to be, I'm going to alienate some of our listeners. I kind of feel the same way about joint bachelor and bachelorette parties as I do about couples who share Instagram accounts. Like a couple that shares a single Instagram account. I'm like, who cheated? (laughs) Who cheated on who? Why are we having a joint bachelor bachelorette party? Like what's happening here that we can't have two separate locations, you know? Yeah. My husband and I discussed like a destination bachelor party, in which case we talked about like, just to save money, maybe we could do a joint one. But then even when we talked about that, we said like, there will be a night when we are separate with like your friends and my friends. I feel like everyone on Vanderpump Rules had a joint bachelor bachelorette party now that I think about it. And they cheated. (laughs) And it's only proving my theory more correct. (laughs) Have either of you been on just like a totally off the rails bachelorette or bachelor party? One had like one night that was like so bad that I had to kind of like took the tone down for the rest of the trip. Like my friend got uh. beyond blackout and punched her sister in the face. Oh my God. Yeah, that would take the tone down a bit. I know, but the sister was like kind of annoying. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. I this isn't like off the rails, but it is funny. And I still laugh about it to this day. I went on like a three day cruise for a bachelorette party. You've been on a lot of cruises. I know. (laughs) Just two. I told two cruise stories and they're the only two cruises I went on. Okay. I'm not. That wasn't like a judgment. Rewind the tape. You've been on a lot of cruises. You've been on a lot of cruises. 
There was judgment in your voice. In my mind, it was like, wow, you've been on a lot of cruises. And I think it came out of my mouth like, you've been on a lot of cruises. That's exactly (laughs) what it sounded like. I'm sorry. Go on, Donnie. So we were on a cruise (laughs) for a bachelorette party. And the bride for the captain's dinner where you have to dress up, she couldn't put her fake eyelashes on. And she was in front of the mirror for like 25 minutes. So then like it was time for us to go down and we didn't want to go without her. But we also said like, it's okay. You don't need those fake eyelashes. So then she just turned around with one like halfway down her cheek. And she said, can you all just get the fuck out? I'll be there when I'm there. So then... So then we all just looked at the maid of honor and she's like, I'll fix it. So then we went down. I was like, well, since we're all here early, I guess we can get a professional photo. (gasps) (laughs) So then then the photographer posed us and he just assumed I was a straight man, I guess. And he posed me and this other girl that was at the wedding, like we were the couple and everyone else was a around us so that's the photo so you like stole her thunder uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no, Donnie. Uh, but she did get her eyelash on and came to dinner that's good fake eyelashes are very tricky i've given up they never stick like for the whole event <laughs> and i end up looking like lamb chop or something I'm like, <laughs> so mark does end up surprising peter and kira knightley with an orchestra equivalent of a flash mob And if I could give one piece of advice of just like general wedding guest etiquette, don't surprise the bride and groom with a grand gesture. Like these are two people who up until this day have been fighting over what color napkins to have. Just like don't throw in a tuba. Don't throw in a surprise. Maybe just show up. RSVP, yes. Say if you want the chicken and sit the fuck down. And shut up. Yeah. Yeah. The same bride that had the eyelash incident at her wedding, the best man surprised the couple at the reception by singing a song because he was like a professional singer and watching her have to act appreciative for four minutes while he sang was perhaps the funniest thing I've (laughs) ever witnessed. Only second to when her father stepped on her chain when she was walking down the aisle and her whole head went like this. (laughs) Now, luckily she is like a funny spur of the moment person. So when that happened, she just screamed my way. (laughs) Then that like broke the tension, but it was an event. I'd be pissed. (laughs) I wouldn't enjoy like an orchestra at my wedding. (laughs) I just am not a good surprise person in general. And I think that walking down the aisle to then like a saxophone in my ear, I might cut someone. And who like didn't get a seat? Like Aunt Barbara standing in the back because like (laughs) the trombone player had to sit in the third row. Yeah. And like you said, there is a lot of planning that goes into a wedding that already like started fights and stuff. So they already picked the music they wanted and did not want at this wedding. And now here comes a new song. And if I'm getting married, that's like shock enough. So I don't think we need (laughs) all these things at my wedding. Everyone's (laughs) going to be like floored that they're even at this event. (laughs) Surprise. It's me. At my wedding, there was a violinist at the reception that you could put in requests and he would play like during the dinner part. Yeah, but you like asked him to be there, right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But my husband specifically told me, like, please be an adult when you request songs by this man. It was right after Frozen came out, so I kept requesting Let It Go. It was basically the Growing Pains girl, like, hey, okay, so <laughs> him playing Let It Go on the violin. But you're paying them, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love that when you said that Quinn told you to be a grown up, I was expecting you to, like, 
be doing inappropriate songs, but he literally was like, no, can you like be an adult and not request Disney songs <laughs> meant for children though? <laughs> so we do eventually find out why Mark is clearly trying to sabotage this marriage. Kira Knightley discovers that he is in love with her after she watches his footage of their wedding day that is basically just like 60 minutes of him zooming in on her and breathing heavily. So I know when this movie first came out, the storyline was presented to us in like an unrequited love type of way but re-watching it I think this man needs to be on some sort of watch list I remember watching that when it came out and I was like 12 or 13 when the movie came out and thinking that was like oh my god I want that how is she not with him like he is amazing (laughs) and now I watch it and I'm like oh my god like how fucking annoying are you first of all who wants anything zoomed in on you ever. (laughs) (laughs) Please get all my pores. And now you don't have like a wedding video. Right. Like, how is he going to show that to the friend? I know. I just be like, oh, it's broken and fucked up. That's the thing. What was he planning on doing with this footage? It's sitting there with all of the rest of his VHSs. Like, you know, if he's going to be creepy with it, like put it in your nightside table. But like call it (laughs) something different. Didn't it say like wedding? (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's like wedding close up jerk off video. Just write like Dateline, yeah. April 3rd episode. Like no one will ever look at that. Yeah. It's so creepy. But Mark takes his weird stalker cam footage and doubles down because he then arrives unannounced with a boom box and a poster board and tells Kira Knightley that to him, she is perfect. Because at Christmas, you tell the truth. I'd argue that Christmas is a time to stay in your lane and not actively sabotage your best friend's marriage. But what do I know? I know. At least wait till like St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of the cards is like, lie to him. Tell him it's Carolers. She could have been abducted right then. But it's so funny because I relate so hard to her husband there. Like if my husband was like, Carolers are here, I'd be like turning the volume up on my show. <laughs> Turn the lights off. Pretend like we're not here. <laughs> and then because everyone in the story is terrible, Keira Knightley, so moved by his poster board presentation, kisses him and I know like the scene ends by him being like enough enough now but these two are definitely going to fuck like this is definitely going to end a friendship and a marriage you can never go to an event together ever again no so as all of this is going on there are a couple less relevant storylines happening so we have John and just Judy two body doubles for a sex scene falling in love on set and then Colin the OG incel deciding that it couldn't possibly be his terrible personality getting in the way of him getting a girlfriend. No, it must be that English girls are stuck up and that he is simply on the wrong continent. So he heads to America, proves that an English accent goes a long way and that he is, in fact, Colin, god of sex, and ends up having a threesome in Wisconsin. Neat. When I was looking up trivia, this is gross. Like, that actor is just gross. He volunteered to have a smaller paycheck because he said just filming that scene where those girls strip off his clothes 21 takes was enough, and he would do it for free. Ugh. I know. He's such a hero. (laughs) Ew. For the greater good of the movie. I know. A modern-day Joan of Arc. (laughs) I just remember Denise Richards like horrible Southern accent in that when she gets off the plane. 
I kiss people on the mouth. <laughs> and then they're like making out at the airport after talking for like 0.2 seconds. And she's like sober doing that. Well, maybe she partook in some TLT, some terminal leisure time. She's been drinking since 7 a.m. You never know. Maybe. So another one of our main characters, aging pop star and overall chaos demon, Billy Mac, is pumping out and promoting a shitty Christmas song. The song is shit. He knows it. His manager knows it. But it's a cash grab and a chance for him to cling to relevancy. So he wants to be number one on Christmas, and when his Christmas wish comes true, this film's Ebenezer Scrooge realizes there's no one he'd rather spend Christmas with than his manager, Joe. He is his one true love, but in like a no homo <laughs> 2003 type of way. Is it weird that I don't hate the song that's supposed to be so bad? Me neither. I was just about to say, like, this song is way better than anything my nemesis, Michael Buble, puts out every year. Like, I am kind of down with this song. I really it's like so it. It's so good. I love Christmas music in general, but this, I think, is a good one. I am one of those people that are like, is it too early to listen to Christmas music? I could listen to Christmas music right now. In fact, sometimes I do. (laughs) You should put this one on your playlist. (laughs) I don't think it's on Spotify. So instead, I just listened to Ashley Tisdale sing Last Christmas, but it's a bop. (laughs) So I'm like the worst human being ever. And I'm not a huge Christmas music person. And I do not like to listen to it until like December 10th. Like I just get sick of it very easily, but I just love last Christmas by wham. That is like, sorry, not the Ashley Tisdale version. No, that means you haven't heard the Ashley Tisdale one. It will change your life. Oh, I have. (laughs) So meanwhile, across town, a lovable cuck Jamie returns home early to discover that instead of chicken noodle soup, his girlfriend's cure for the common cold is having his brother's penis inside of her. I heard that it does work, though. (laughs) Heartbroken, he leaves town and heads to rural France. I'd now like to quote, because I really was trying to like, I don't want this whole episode just to be me. Like, And then this happens with this person. So I'd now like to quote an article I found written by Carrie Whitmer. You read? for this episode? Well, I just was like, you know, perusing around as I was watching this two and a half hour movie for the 200th time in my life. So, you know, ADHD gang, rise up. All right. So Carrie Whitmer, I think, said it better than I ever could. She says... I've watched this movie at least three times every holiday season for more than half of my life. But if someone came up to me and said, Robert Pattinson is in love with you, but you can only be together if you describe Colin Firth's storyline in Love Actually in detail right now without looking anything up on your phone, I'm sad to say Robert Pattinson and I are destined to be apart. I watched Love Actually for this piece twice, and the only thing I can remember about this plot is that Colin Firth finds out his girlfriend is having sex with his brother. So Colin Firth goes to a cabin, sits in front of a typewriter, and falls in love with a Portuguese housekeeper. The only other part I remember about this whole thing is several British children screaming, I hate you, Uncle Jamie, which is a (laughs) triggering thing to hear after season eight of Game of Thrones. So I think that sums it all up. (laughs) His storyline was just like one of the weirder ones, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's sweet. It's like a cute storyline. But what is there to say about two people who are like speaking in subtitles back and forth, you know? But then that's like how you know it's purely based on looks. And like who looks at Colin Firth and is like, (laughs) I'm in love with you. (laughs) It was like the same like fisherman's like perfect storm sweater like the entire time (laughs) he's there. And then she's like, I have to have him. Yeah. 
the fact that they fell in love is wonderful because one time I met someone who didn't speak any English and I didn't speak any Spanish, but he did speak one word of English and it was suck. So like we knew enough <laughs> to take it somewhere else, but love, who knew love could happen from it? <laughs> I always just think of his storyline and like her sister and how they're all like awful to her. <laughs> awful. She's also a character I relate to actually. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I mean, I wish the best for them, and I really hope that it's everything they think it's going to be. But, like, this whole relationship is based on not knowing what the other person is saying. And, like, I have to imagine once they are learning each other's languages and speaking to each other, like, one of them might be really fucking annoying. I wonder which one. (laughs) (laughs) Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTEONE, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. So back in the city, we are introduced to a company with more HR violations than Theranos and possibly even more turtlenecks. So Sarah is in love with her coworker, Carl. And after an incredibly unprofessional pep talk from her boss, where she learns that everyone in the office knows she wants to marry Carl and have lots of sex and babies with him, she gets the courage to make a move at the company's holiday party. But love comes in all forms, and Sarah's love for her brother, who is unwell and calls constantly, comes first. This is depressing. 
depressing, but it's one of my favorite storylines in the movie, I think. And I think that's because I think it shows love in a different way, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like love as a stalker or like (laughs) love being cheated on by your husband. Mm -hmm. So like this is one of the only instances of like genuine love in the movie. Do you think Carl ever gave her another chance later? Yeah, no offense to Laura Linney, but I do think I do think this was like a I'm a couple cocktails in at the Christmas party. If it happens tonight, it happens tonight thing. So when it didn't happen tonight, I don't think Carl followed up. It's hard when you work together. Not that I would know if anyone's but like <laughs> I have three younger siblings and I love them a lot. But if I was like a seven and there was a 10 trying to like hook up with me one night and I was obsessed with them. Like if Harry Styles like was trying to have sex with mm-hmm. me, I would put my phone on silent. I get it. And ha- what? Like an hour? That's, it'll <laughs> yeah. Be my husband gets mad that I sleep with my phone on silent and don't have that thing set up for people to get through to me with emergencies. But like if God forbid, if someone's dead, they'll still be dead in the morning. So like the same thing with sex. <laughs> if you need to get through <laughs> if you need to get through to me, when I'm finished, whatever the emergency was, will still be but it's like top she's priority. Supposed to I can be in love you. with him. It's not even like a one. Like, wouldn't you be like, okay, look, I'm up, like been in love with you forever. Yeah. One night. Yes. She talks to the brother so much. She has to have told him some stuff. Just tell him I'm finally about to get my puss wet. No. <laughs> ERB getting reeled. <laughs> <laughs> So when Alan Rickman is not telling his employees to use company parties to fuck his other employees, he is engaging in an emotional affair on Emma Thompson with his assistant, Mia. Again, where are the HR representatives in this fine establishment? No one knows. Remember, she just like opens her legs in the office. (laughs) Let's talk about Mia's seduction style for a moment, because she does that where she like just like opens her legs. She says the dark corners for dark deeds comment. And then later, she's literally wearing devil horns at a Christmas party. Very biblical. (laughs) Alan Rickman is the world's worst cheater. And Emma quickly catches on, especially after her idiot husband gives her a Joni Mitchell CD instead of a beautiful necklace she found in his jacket. Now, I know that this was her aha moment, but I may have suspected when my husband was slow dancing at a company party with the woman in devil horns. Like she was wearing devil horns. I can't get over. It was not a Halloween party. This woman put on bedazzled devil horns and was like, it's time. And didn't dance with anyone else. And she's like, I guess it's like the boss has to dance with everyone. It's like, nope, he's just dancing with spread eagle over there. So I don't know if I went to my holiday party for work with the devil devil horns, horns. everyone would be like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) If you just showed up in devil horns and we're like, would you like to slow dance with me? Yeah, the fact that she's not like, no one treats her like a weirdo is what throws me off the most. I know. In the original script, they had to cut it because they said it made the other character so unlikable. To tie it into another story even more, she was supposed to be Mark's best friend. She probably borrowed the devil horns. Oh, because remember, he owned the gallery. Yes. And she was looking for it. Oh, she was like, my friend has a spate. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's all coming together. Yeah. Well, then that makes them doubly unlikable because they're both. I know. Like- yeah. And can I? I don't think the necklace was like a really great necklace at all. <laughs> okay, Jen, let's 
talk about this. So I know that the cuties are primarily women, but if for some reason you are a straight man listening to this podcast, God help you, what are you doing? But also women do not want heart-shaped jewelry. I don't know like what unlearning you need to do because of the Zales conditioning you've had to endure your whole lives. Please don't buy us heart-shaped jewelry. We don't want it. Not even the Tiffany's thing? No. (laughs) You're lying. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. So other cuties weigh in, leave a five-star review, (laughs) tell me that I'm an idiot and that every woman wants heart-shaped jewelry. But like after the age of 16, no thank you. I don't want a heart-shaped anything. But this one's just like not a great one either. It has that red jewel on it. And it's not even in the center. No. Like give me the Joni Mitchell CD all day. (laughs) It looks cursed. Looks like a horcrux. It does look like a horcrux. It's like hiding part of his soul in there. I do have to say the scene with Emma – now I was about to say Emma Roberts. Jesus Christ. The scene with Emma Thompson where she has like the silent meltdown in her bedroom only then to like get herself together and put on a brave face and like be super pumped about Christmas for her kids. That scene makes me ugly cry every single time, especially since becoming a mom because that is like motherhood in a nutshell of like I am going to just like put this on the shelf for a minute and like give my kids an awesome Christmas. And I just think that's – so sweet. I love her as an actress. Yes. Yeah. Like so much. She's going to be Trunchbull in the Matilda musical movie remake. And I cannot wait. Wow. Yeah. No, she's amazing. Her. I don't know why she did love actually. <laughs> <laughs> or Beauty and the Beast. I know. A great actress that doesn't make the best choice. No, but that scene is like heartbreaking. And then at the end of the movie, when he like comes home and she's like, hi, like when he gets off the plane. Yeah. It's like so fair. Did they stay together? I think so. I love her approach of like calling him out on it. Like, yes, do it in public and do it in like a very like, what would you do in this situation, you motherfucker? Like, because that's my vibe of like, I will silently whisper something at you and like make your blood go cold. I'm not going to cause a scene, but I'm going to (laughs) make you know that I know and that you will be ruined they put them (laughs) in a position where they just have to stand there and like piss themselves like oh see i have to learn your tricks because i would be like that girl at karaoke singing drum (laughs) pasting song except i would be saying it on the microphone you motherfucker i would be doing a monologue airing out my dirty laundry i love when people do that (laughs) so hugh grant is the new prime minister speaking of people who agreed to do this movie and his charming storyline is that he dances a bunch tells america to suck it and uses his position of power to have an inappropriate relationship with his subordinate natalie cute so now, also in my trivia looking, I really did find a lot. The writer was making a movie about this plot line, and then he was working on another movie about the Uncle Jamie storyline. And then he was like, neither one of these movies is exactly about anything. So then he just decided to combine them into one. He just got lazy. He was like, fuck it. I'm putting them in the <laughs> Like, if I put them together, I have to write less scenes. I always <laughs> think about people like this, like Natalie and then Aurelia's like sister. When you're going out on an audition, do they say to you, like, just so you know, we're going to call you fat like five times. You're going to be like this kind of character. We're going to reference your weight like over and over again. And they're like, um, okay. Like, do you know that? Yeah, of like, oh, we're casting the quote unquote chubby girl. Because let's be yeah. clear. Like, I mean, we'll get to it when we talk about what age like blockbuster about this movie. <sighs> but like, to be clear, Natalie is like a very 
averagely sized yeah. woman. Like, I don't even know if she would be in plus size clothing. Not that that even is a thing that should be a thing, but yeah. uh-huh. like in literally every scene, it's like, oh, she's got a sizable ass. Oh, the chubby girl. Oh, she's got legs like tree trunks. And it's like, this is just an oh, average awful. person. And it speaks so much to what the early aughts was and just like the culture that was ingrained in us that like we truly thought like 80 pounds was like the ideal yeah but it's Mm -hmm. like she's fucking her boss who's the prime minister like you have enough of a storyline right now right you're good i don't know if it's because they wanted to lean too heavily into the monica Lewinsky of it all or what because they even gave her a beret at one point Mm -hmm. but like just because you internalize and envision Monica Lewinsky as quote fat like that doesn't need to be a part of her character either right so like now not only are you talking about this actress but you're making it clear that you think Monica Lewinsky is also fat or just if you're doing an I mean because let's be real this this movie isn't known for its subtlety Devil Devil horns, yes. (laughs) But like, okay, so if you're taking inspiration from a real life scandal, then cast someone who looks like Monica Lewinsky, but you don't need to then make it like a punchline every single scene, literally every single scene. scene. Even her parents. Lumpy. Yeah. I'd be like, you're going in a fucking home when you are of age. (laughs) Right. In front of like my prime minister side piece. You better get really close to Laura Linney's brother in there because I'm not answering your (laughs) phone calls. (laughs) So this super cute love story ends with a work environment so hostile that Natalie quits only to later be hunted down and stalked by the literal leader of her country who shows up unannounced at her home. A romance for the ages. After being sexually <laughs> assaulted by another leader. <laughs> what a time to be alive as a woman. You know. Uh. So our final storyline is Liam Neeson is navigating the loss of his wife and learning how to be a stepfather to an adorable alien child <laughs> who holds the Guinness Book of World Records for the world's largest head. <laughs> This boy has such a big head, such a big head. I never noticed, but now I will. So this unlikely family bonds as Liam helps this real life Jimmy Neutron capture the attention of the girl at school he's in love with by learning to play the drums and performing his little ass off at the Christmas pageant at his school. So speaking of the pageant, all of these storylines culminate at the children's Christmas pageant. And I have to say, British people know how to put on a show. I don't know what the budget for this production was, but color me impressed because I've gone to many an elementary school performance and all I got was a headache from Viola's screeching hot cross buns. <laughs> like this was a production. <laughs> Is this a performing arts school? It had <laughs> to have been. Because the little girl that Big Head likes, she her performance was like a Super Bowl performance. Oh, I know. She had backup singing, like a gospel choir was there. There's confetti. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a lot of pageants as a child and they were not like this. They were very strange. Like one, I really don't even remember the plots. There's like visions that I have. Like I like shut this out from PTSD. One of the Christmas, Christmas pageants. My mom, speaking of like, fat shaming or whatever my mom played a woman that was in a tracksuit and they had her jog around the church during the whole christmas pageant and then whenever she got to like the front she would like say her lines and then keep jogging around the church it was bizarre what kind of school did you go to (laughs) it was a methodist church that i feel like when i say that that is just as eye-opening as when i say chelsea's an athlete (laughs) 
<laughs> and then another memory. Well, besides the one where I played a Pharisee that had to speak like Forrest Gump for whatever reason, there is also vivid memories of when we did the Christmas story all in a silhouette. So there was a screen up with like light coming from the back where the actors were so that the people watching only saw our shadows. Oh. So me, who was in middle school, plump, plumpy, and then another girl in middle school, also um, not small for her figure at that age. We were Mary and Joseph. But then the scene when Mary had to ride the donkey, they cut to my little sister on the donkey. Like, this is clearly not the same person Did you person have a real donkey? No, it was a cardboard cutout or something. Chelsea, it was just well, all Well, I didn't shadow. know if there was like a real donkey and then they threw your sister on it. I don't know. Your mom's running laps. I don't know what this production. <laughs> there's a shadow. There's light. Yeah. I got plenty of stories about church plays, but they're the only three you're getting today. Okay, well, stay tuned <laughs> for that, cuties. Oh, God. And we do have to talk about, I mean, Big Head really got it together. He might be a musical prodigy, that he learned how to play the drums like that. He got a little solo, and he'd been playing for like four weeks. He was very talented. He was. I don't mean to brag, but I was in the percussion section of my middle school band. Oh, that opens mm-hmm. more eyes. I was the only girl in the percussion section. Also, I have no rhythm, so I always got stuck on the little bell set because I could never actually be... The triangle. Yeah, no, like the little <laughs> bells, the little like, xylophone, yep. So they put me on the xylophone and then I learned uh, you could just like pretend to hit the notes. So I never had to learn a single piece of music. I would just sit back there and basically I was doing miming, my own course in miming. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. What instrument was it? Percussion. It's the whole percussion section. Now, what one did you play? Bells. So the xylophone. Are you supposed to pronounce the, I just wanted you to say it again. Are you supposed to pronounce the X? I mean, I don't know. I'm the percussion expert here, Donnie. How do you say it? (laughs) Xylophone? Xylophone, yeah. I say xylophone. Wait, what'd you say, Chelsea? She said xylophone. Oh, xylophone? (laughs) Oh, I just say xylophone. That's all you're supposed to say, I think, Jen. You you were absent that day. (laughs) Donnie, this is why our friendship is so important. I have been saying xylophone my entire life, 33 (laughs) years. I've taught my daughters to pronounce it xylophone. And no one has said shit to me. Well, I do understand that because... My husband, who I met like 10 years ago, so I was 26 when he came into my life, taught me that the chicken is not pronounced rotisserie. So for 26 years, I was saying rotisserie chicken. It is and nobody said a damn thing. Rotisserie. Rotisserie. I said rotisserie. Don't even ask Chelsea. Wait, I say <laughs> yeah. rotisserie. No, you don't. Yes, my whole family does. Rotisserie? Yes. <laughs> Don't let Quinn know. I feel like I'm with a bunch of idiots. No, <laughs> Jen, you are. You are. Spoiler alert. Idiots actually are all around. <laughs> so if we were to bring this movie to present day, who would we cast in a remake or what would the plot to a sequel be? So I wanted to stay with the British theme. And I said, Mia, the devil horn lady. We read Aura. Yes. Yeah. Natalie, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones. <gasps> uh huh. Juliet, Lily James. Into it. Yeah. Jamie, Jude Law, because we have to make him like somewhat desirable for someone who can't speak to him to want to fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the prime minister could be Idris Elba. <gasps> oh, I got the chills with that one. That was good. <laughs> that is good. 
And I love Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. And I know he's like not alive, but I would keep them if possible. Get a hologram. If they can do it for Kim's dad, they can do it for anyone. (laughs) I did a sequel instead of a remake. And the only character I can imagine following for any reason is a grown-up Sam. So maybe I think it could be like him as the central story. And then all new characters are the ones that branch off from him. What his plot would be, couldn't tell you. But I do think it should follow Like him. would him and Joanne, would they ever have seen each other again? That's what we'll find out. <laughs> Gotta tune in, Jen. Gotta give him his Netflix money. Idiots are all around. I can't wait to see that on my TV one day, like coming soon. <laughs> coming soon, actually. So as is tradition, I did not participate Jesus in this Christ. week's assignment because I was too busy Googling random things. But I do think that there was something that happened after this movie where we started getting like Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. New Year's Eve. Like we had these blockbuster movies that were basically just money grabs of all of these people and all of these plot lines. And I think that love actually is kind of like the last pure version it's like the last pure movie in this genre of like all of these people with all of these storylines before they started like pumping out these holiday specials so they suck and so to that i say like i don't even think this movie should ever be remade because it would just turn into one of those movies Mm. and i I don't want to taint one of my like holiday specials to turn into that because inevitably it would at least with these there were a thousand storylines but like we got to know each character whereas in like you know saint patrick's day it's like somebody sticking their head out of a closet and puking and that's like a cameo yeah no (laughs) and like the fact that we can even watch love actually like more than once like if you made me watch valentine's day on loop (laughs) i'd probably just walk into traffic or something like that just to end it and i I think that's the only one i saw was valentine's day because taylor swift was in it yeah Final thoughts. <laughs> what for us aged well about this movie and what aged like blockbuster? Obviously, the fat shaming is really bad. Yeah. yeah. Like we said, every single scene involving Natalie basically came with a reference of like, what a fat piece of shit you are. And it's like, yeah. cool. <laughs> awesome. Wonder why so many of my friends had disordered eating after just living through the early aughts. Yeah. Right. And the message. It's so bad. I feel like they go out of their way in that yeah. movie to just like, point it out whenever they can and then just her relationship with the prime minister also and then like the relationship with mark and juliet like i think if you really watch the movie you're like oh wow none of these make me feel good but on the other hand i feel like what aged well is like even though if you pay attention when you watch they're all cringy storylines they're still like a feeling that you get maybe it is just nostalgia but like i do love this movie even though i can't really say anything good about it (laughs) you know it's funny like this might be a little controversial but natalie and the prime minister their kiss at the end is like my favorite one out of like everyone yeah Yeah. when they're behind the stage and they're like getting closer and like singing all i want for christmas is you like, I was like, oh, that's really sweet. I know. Like, it wasn't like her boss, but like. <laughs> and we say every week, like talking shit is our love language. And we mm-hmm. talked a lot of shit this episode. But I do think it's because I do. I love this movie. I'm going to be watching it again this holiday yeah. season. Like, I'm never going to not watch it. And I know that it doesn't hold up. And yet I don't care. Yeah. 
Me neither. But since talking shit is our love language, I do, before we end, I have two more things that age like Blockbuster. And that is Juliet's hat when she saw Mark's video. <laughs> and also Mia's haircut. It just, uh, maybe it's matched with the face, but like, it's just and not a look horn. for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, the devil horns was the best part about her look. It gave me a safe place to rest my eyes. Oh, <laughs> her hair's really bad in that. It is so bad. And then she wears a turtleneck with it. Like, baby, what do you think? She looks like from the Incredibles. Like, (laughs) Edna? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Jen, thank you. This was Uh. just unhinged. Tell everybody where they can follow you. At blocked underscore by underscore Jax on Instagram. Thank you guys for listening. And next week, we will be covering Save the Last Dance. It's a good one. God, help us all. Oh, good. You know how I feel about dancing, so we'll see how it goes. No, you'll love it, Chelsea. You haven't seen a lot of them. I hope you've seen that. She hasn't. Oh, my God. (laughs) So stay tuned for that, and we will talk to you later. Love Love you like like a sister. sister. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Bye. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash I Am The Cute One. And go to I Am The Cute One.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk, Talk to, to you later. later. Love you like, like a sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.